Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. We are back. Pokemon Worlds is over. A new season is beginning. And here we are, me and my co-host, Corey Dickman, on Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast that is all about Pokemon TCG and helping players like Corey and myself and our listeners grow and get better at the game. Corey, how are you? Dude, I am feeling rejuvenated, refreshed. I'm ready for this season, man. There's some awesome changes. Jared, I, I, I think we could make some real money. We Maybe we quit what we do and just play professionally now. What, what do you think? Uh, I think history has told me that I'm a much better podcaster than a Pokemon player. <laughs> so I, w- I will be there with bells on running some rogue crap that won't make day two. But uh, that is that is how I'm built, and that's that's how it's going to be. So I will, you know, I will root you on uh, yeah. as as you are in the meta world and making day two. You know, I got your back. There we go. Well, you know, someone has to be at the other tables too, so that we, we cover all the bases. Cover all the bases. Uh, well, yeah, we, um, you and I are both hyped. You know, we've seen the regional schedule. Three only three ICs this year. Uh, poor, uh, poor Australia got uh, got left off the list but uh so we're excited for those and and i think you know we'll be able to attend at least a couple regionals this year right i mean we're we're making it we're going i think we'll be there man i think it'd be fun um fingers crossed bring the gear um record an episode there before or after we're playing maybe get some interviews with some of the top players in i think that sounds like a lot of fun i love it man i love it well you know, we uh, we had the pleasure of uh, bringing on Kyle Sablehouse for this episode, and uh, and and if there's somebody that's gonna teach us Pokemon, it's got to be a guy like Kyle, right? He's a pro pro player for so long. Now he's an amazing announcer. I mean, I'm I'm hyped to be able to chat with him. Yeah, I, I am too. I we had him on last season, last year. We get to talk to him again. He just knows the game so well. He's passionate about it. And he's just a competitor. Like, he loves, kind of like you and I, he just loves sports in general. So we have a lot of relatability with him, and I'm super pumped to pick his brain about a number of different things, if not limited to, like you said, coming into a new season. Yeah, oh, n- no doubt. And he just gets to see behind the scenes, to see the growth and uh, where our game's going and the amount of people that participate in these tournaments. And, like, Jared, it's like, you, you got to be, like, the minute registration drops, if you're not registering, you're not getting in. Like that, ha- that it, happened that's, to that's, us. We we yeah, got one. You, we got we got one registration through for NAIC last year, and then we ended up not going because we both couldn't get in. You know that d- does that not speak to our friendship? You you are truly a best friend because you got yours. Oh, I know. And you said, you know what? I, you're not. I'm not going because I didn't get mine. Absolutely. So I, you know, I didn't. I never told you how much that meant to me. That means a lot to me. I got so, you. We're gonna I, get emotional. I wish I could say the same. If yours had gone through and in mine, you would have been there and I wouldn't. And that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, that's how it goes. And that's where we're at. So, yeah, sure. I would not have been there. Uh, and now, moving on. <laughs> no, for real, though. We, we'll, we'll tackle that question later. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. 
And then when we come back, Jared, we got Kyle, Stable House, and we got some good topics. This is a really good interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And then be sure to tune in next week because we'll be post Pittsburgh, the first regionals, new cards in play that weren't in at Worlds. And we'll have a lot of meta to talk about with hopefully a new guest. Love it. All right. Well, enjoy this interview with Kyle Sebastian. We are back from break with, uh, I, I guess, you know, a friend of the podcast, a regular, Kyle, if you can call it that. I think you've been on one other episode, but we'll we'll call you a regular at this point since you've been on twice. But Kyle Sablehouse, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, we we want to tackle a few topics with you. But first, uh, the most obvious one was we just had our world tournament over in Japan, and I know you were there. You were calling the action. You called the final game, the final match, the, the crazy kind of ending to it. Um, love to get some feedback from you, man. What was your experience like over in Japan for, for Worlds? Well, yeah, thanks again for having me on. I, I Do I get like an extra golden star or something now? Absolutely. So I start collecting those? Absolutely. You too. <laughs> Once you get three, you get a prize. So. <laughs> there we go. All right. Something to look forward to. Yeah, no, this has been, it's been such an amazing year. And so to cap it off with uh, the world championships in Yokohama, that was a dream come true for so many of the players and us included. Me and Chip were losing our minds the entirety of the trip, just uh, in awe of the spectacle that was Pokemon in Japan. There was Pokemon everywhere you looked. We were eating ice cube pops. <laughs> they, they, yes. they, had, they had all wild things there. It was, it was awesome. such a great time. Uh, I'm curious a little bit about just uh, how Pokemon fits into the culture over there. Like, it, it, it seems like from your description that it poured out beyond where the tournament was held. Obviously, this is where the game was created. But do you just have a sense that it's more culturally present there? Right, yeah. I, I, I guess... Uh, the term that comes to mind is like accepted. Uh, it's it seems like everybody knows and loves Pokemon there. Where whereas it was a little taboo for like older guys to to like Pokemon <laughs> when it when it first came out, and now it's like the best thing ever. It's kind of like the, the Call of Duty meme yes. where what you expect is just nine year olds. It's now nine year olds instead of twenty year olds in college playing. <laughs> we we in the wrong country, man. We in the wrong yeah. country. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was it was definitely wild for sure. So so many uh, great things that we noticed there. I, I had this conversation before when, when I was speaking with a friend, and uh, we related to Pokemon has surpassed that generational gap. It's gotten to the point where people who love Pokemon as a kid are now having kids, and their mm -hmm. kids have this beautiful opportunity to uh, have that same experience that we did, if not better, with. Pokemon's growth over the last 20 years, 25 years. So it's really cool that we get to do a little bit of that, but Japan's doing it on a whole nother level. Man, that's so cool. Mm, uh, yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, Jared, you know, he he had his son right now. Elijah's eight, right? He's eight. Nine, Jared. Eight, and he's he's getting into it, going to league, and Jared and, and Eli play. You know, like, you're, you're starting to experience that now. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and it's, it does feel so much easier because everything is – there's an organization behind it now. Like, when we were kids, it was like, 
you had the game, you were lucky if you had a connector to play your friend, and the cards were the cool kids on the bus, you know, were holding the Gen 1 cards, and you were just hoping that your parents would let you have a little bit of allowance so that you could trade with them on the bus. That was my experience. Yeah. Uh, but now it is, it's so, it's so much integrated, but I just, I had to imagine that it was so much more relevant and just like apparent over there. Whereas here it's still in some areas feels kind of niche. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's something that we were, we were experiencing. I could not get a ticket into the Pokemon center uh, every day that I tried. I wow. The only, the only ones that I got to go to were, uh, they had a pop-up one that showed up at the mall that I waited like maybe 30 or 45 minutes. And then uh, the staff store for the world championships, which obviously I had a little extra backstage <laughs> access to. <laughs> so I made the most of that trip and spent way more money than I should have. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, so talk to us, Kyle. So let's, let's delve a little bit to the tournament itself. I mean, was this um, – you know, compared to other worlds that you've either participated in and played or commentated or just went to, I mean, was like the, the competition level of play any different than you've seen before? Like talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, just, I think round one really did the most justice to my expectations of the tournament. And it, it surpassed even that looking around at uh, some of the opening matchups that we had, just the ones that we couldn't even put on stream, but I mean, we started off with an absolute banger with uh, with Gedimer up against a a world's finalist from Japan. It's unreal. Yep. But uh, yeah. we had we had some fantastic matches. We had Pablo Mesa up against Azul. We had John Ang playing against Premalot. We had Brian DeVries playing against Tord Reckliff. Just so many star-studded games. I was so glad that I wasn't casting the opening round because I just wanted to watch all the other games that were going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, I mean, it was incredible, like, just to see. And then, like, to see our eventual champ, like, come from day one as well. Like, has that has that happened before, Kyle, kind of in this era of, like, where you have a day one, you know, where you can get a day two invite, skip day one. Has our champion come from day one often? I feel like we had the we had the equivalent with Jason Klasinski making it through Grinder and then winning. Yeah, which is yeah. It, I guess that's the closest we've gotten. I'm not. I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think we've seen anything like that. And it just speaks to the level that that he was playing on that weekend. And I mean, even throughout the whole year, we saw that he was having a ton of success with Mu V Max and stuck with it. And he found the perfect tech cards to ride with to get through a pretty daunting uh, amount of decks. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Was was Mew like? Were you surprised that Mew was able to take it down? We have we have a joke that uh, it, it, it have the Will Chamberlain holding up like you see his stats, uh, and whenever you're you're playing Mew in Asia, it just performs so much better than anywhere that you would expect. So we had a little bit of an idea that Mew was going to be okay. I would not have said that it was going to win the World Championships. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it felt it felt like a, a Cinderella run because you're talking about a card that has it just it like it just won't die, like it does. It keeps avoiding getting uh, sent out of uh, out of the meta or out of standard play, and then you know here it is again. And we've seen it win regionals this year, but like, I, yeah, I, I was I was not expecting it whatsoever. We're, yeah, we saw we saw that with uh, a lot of a lot of people trying to 
I, I guess in general, like what Mightyena and then Spiritum and mm. Drapion and Path of the Peak, there's like a million different ways that you can try to go at this deck and try to stop it. And half the time they use those tools to their advantage. They mix in the fusion package and that just made the deck even faster. It's like, why weren't we just doing this originally? Yeah, like, I get that in London, it was, it, it made sense because you wanted to slow down. You didn't have to hit those big numbers, but we got to hit big boy numbers now. The fusion package gets there so fast. It does. hundred percent. hundred percent. Were, were you surprised at the amount of like, okay, so you look at the top eight and like, the U.S. like we we got there. Well, we got three of our three of the top eight re- United States players. I think maybe three or four. I, I, were, were you surprised that Japan wasn't just like five of the top eight or something? Like just since it was in their home country. Yeah, they they always have. I don't I don't know whether we call this an advantage or a disadvantage, but it is. It's just unusual that they have to revisit a format that we've been playing so consistently throughout the entirety mm. of all of our regionals and North American international championships. Like we've, we've seen this format and we've battle tested it against thousands of players. So we had a really strong idea of what was going to be good. Meanwhile, they're focused on Charizard and all these other cool things. They've got, they've got all these awesome cards uh, to, to mess around with. So for them to revisit this format, it's always, it seems difficult in my mind, but sometimes they revisit it with a knowledge of what was good and like what would have been good back then. And then they mm. find the, the perfect answer. I just don't think that it was available this time around. Oh, that's no, that's really fair. I, one thing I'm curious about is, because you're a veteran player yourself, I felt like this tournament, and maybe it was because it was in Japan, really attracted generations of competitive players. Like, whether it was older U.S. names, international names. Like, I, I felt when I was looking at the day one, day two list, I was like, man, these are some big dog names within our community. And that, that to me, made it more exciting. Did you have the same feeling about Worlds this year? Yeah, for sure. That was that was definitely something that we noticed going in. And there were, uh, everybody wants to win this one. This is, this one means so much more. Uh, obviously winning the world championships is great, but we're, we're in, we're in the hometown, man. We, yes. We're in Japan. We got to get it done here. And, uh, you know that a lot of people were really prepping, trying to put their best foot forward and uh, make their name here uh, if they hadn't already. For Michael Pramawat, it was getting second at the World Championships in Hawaii. Gets a little bit closer to Japan now. He felt the energy surging through and gets stopped in top four. But he ends up finding out that's all he really needed because it means he doesn't have to play Pokemon this year if he doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, no, it was it was just I, I just loved it. It felt like uh it just felt like a different event all around. Um it, so okay, Kyle. So let's talk about the finals. Uh you have Vance Kelly, you know, you said had a great year, but he's not toward Redcliffe, name recognition, international championship titles, like it's toward. It was like, oh my god, this is like this is like our LeBron. This is our Michael Jordan here. And talk to us about that finals because it was it was incredibly it, it, like entertaining. Came down to a game three. Came down to time. So like, what was going on in your head as that match was going on? Yeah, we we see that we get seventy five minutes, and me and Chip are ready for 
to go as deep as possible and give everybody the the best show that we can. And of course, it's really up to the players and what they give us. And they gave us an amazing set. It was Vance played interestingly. I, I feel like he he was a little worried about that too. He brought it up in his interview, saying that he was playing pretty conservatively. Uh, we didn't see him use Force Steel Stone to go VIP pass and go really aggressive, big, strong opening setups. He was more content with just finding the right piece at the right time. And I think that really speaks to how comfortable he is with the deck uh, after playing with it for the entirety of the year. And uh, Tord was trying to to find opportunities where maybe uh, his opponent would overextend. He'd get to use those reversal energies, let that Curlia get knocked out after Mirage Step and then take some big knockouts and uh, the window never really opened. And that's, that's a credit to Vance and how him, how well he knew the matchup. Yeah. I, I think he played it incredibly well. Uh, it was my, my big thing. And I don't know if you're on record saying this is I, I feel like the community deserved a full game three. Uh, and I don't, I don't personally like how the rules are set up for that. Maybe in a, you know, if it's round one, sure. We, but this is like, we're in Japan. This is the championship game. What's the harm in letting them finish game three? What are right. your thoughts on that? Yeah, what, 10 more minutes and we'd we'd have had a, a perfect finish to everything that we'd been waiting for, culmination of an unbelievable event and a fantastic year. I mean, that's, that kind of comes with the territory. You, you got Tord Reckliff who's going to be meticulous and uh, methodical, take all of the time that he needs in order to find the right decisions. And ultimately, how many turns did we play in that match? <laughs> if you consider Vance and uh, and Tord uh, each doing turn one, turn two, turn three, maybe we got like 10 turns in 75 minutes. Like it, it, that's, that's how crazy that game goes because it's just big knockouts left and right, but it takes so much time to get that set up and uh, to make sure that you're, you're not having any of those mistakes. Yeah, no, it's true. I, uh, I'll be, I'll be in the background rooting for some uh, rule changes at the, like any finals, regional finals, like, man, like let them play, let them play. Like, <laughs> if, can you imagine like a Super Bowl or an NBA finals, like getting cut short like that? Like there, there would be riots in the streets and I just, uh, yeah, I, I felt like I, everything was perfect in that tournament, except that, you know, we played to the letter of the law of the rules. I get that. But as a, as a fan, as someone watching live, I was like, Oh, let them, let them finish. Like let somebody knock the other person out. Come on, man, please. Right. You know? If not, if not for the championship, at least just play the rest of the game out guys. We got the board yeah, set up. Let's, let's just, go. Let's just move them off to the side and let them, let's, you know, let's find out who really won. <laughs> a real Pokemon champion. No, no. Cause it was, it was interesting. Cause like Tord had to, I mean, if that had been a normal game, I believe he had like Mirage step set up, you know? And so it would have been a completely different ball game, but he knew, I mean, he had to get a knockout, you know? So it's like, you, you had to play that mat or that, that turn differently at least with his style of deck you know so uh but like you said the rule, rules are rules and and we have we have vance as a champ and like toward man you just could see it like and you probably saw it obviously you were there but it just was like i bet in his mind like was he just thinking i've come so close now i got to do this all over again you know to try to get this championship like did did you have a chance to chat with him 
Kyle. Yeah, we, we, uh, we actually, me, Chip and Tord were all watching the go finals and hanging out before he, uh, he, he got on stage for his games. So, uh, we got a little bit of time to chat, obviously. I mean, he's he, no matter what he's getting a second place card what what does that what does mm-hmm. that go for these days on oh, the market like he's no he's kidding. making tons of money and he's he's already done fantastic uh throughout but you, he wants this more than anyone and that's that that speaks to a, a big room there's so many players that are playing this event he puts so much pressure on himself to perform he wants to show the world that he is the best player and consistently he finds himself in opportunities to succeed to make it to top four in the world championships just a few years before. And then to make it there in the, for the, for this finals, he really wanted to come through, but he was also uh, very understanding of the, the situation he's in. He's like, yeah, I'm playing against Mew. He's got some techs for me and it's not exactly favored from this point forward. So I'm going to have to be on my best. And I'm also going to have to get a little bit lucky. And I think mm-hmm. prizing two Ralts and, having to pull off miraculous Cresselia Zacian benching <laughs> shenanigans in game three, which I called, by the way. <laughs> uh, you knew it. You had it. You had, you had I, the beat on I, it. I was, I was calling that like three minutes before it happened, and Chip kept talking, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, shut up, Chip. I'm, I'm nailing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, just when he, when he would do like, yeah, draw two, you know, in the crowd, when they would just see that, that Zacian energy pull or whatever he would draw, or like, I, m- I might have been game three where he had maybe game two, he had one battle VIP, then he, his first draw, his second battle VIP, you could just, the crowd just gets into it, which I, I just love that from a watching it standpoint. Yeah, we, we live for that stuff. And the history yeah. of Tor drawing two cards with Zorark over and over again, it <laughs> oh. just, it just felt so so great to revisit that and watch him do some crazy top decks, but he puts himself yeah. in positions like that to succeed. So good for him. But that's what so that's what I love about uh, Tord. Like I think it's very easy to villainize the player that is the best, like someone that is consistently dominating very easily. I think in a lot of other sports, just gets universals, you know, uh, skepticism and maybe some dislike, but man, that crowd was 100% for maybe, you know, minus his opponent's mom who is rooting for me. Like, and maybe, maybe I, I, but I, you just have the sense that like internationally, this is our guy and we want him to succeed because he is so good and he's not arrogant about it. Yeah, every time that we sit down with him afterwards, he's, I mean, he loves Pokemon. He loves playing this game, and he will talk about it with anyone and everyone, which is really humbling for other people that are trying to get better. He will take the time out to speak with you. It's it's not like he 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 doesn't think of himself as Tor Reckliff. He thinks of himself as that kid who attended league and started to get better and potentially ended up becoming one of the best players we've ever seen. Like it's, it, he, he always That's stays awesome. as humble as that, that beginning that he had. That's so cool. That's so That's cool. cool. Well, I want to see him do well. I, I'm, I'm rooting for him again this year. Uh, it's just yeah. fun. It's fun to have what feels like, especially with the prize money growing this year, like a growing community with budding stars. And that's what the game needs to continue to be successful in my opinion. It really helps out for us as well because we're we're continuing on the commentary side. We just want to build stories. We want to make sure that with the growth of the game also comes the growth of our stars and vice versa. We're going to rely on those players to continually give us 
those great performances so that we can keep bringing you up and talk about that moment that you had in 2019 and 2022 and so on and so forth. It really helps us out. And it's, it's fun for us too. We like watching these, these young players eventually butt into what they become like John Ng and I say a Bradner and all those guys. It's, it's so cool to see what they've become. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. So like good segue. So we'll talk. So next season, this season coming up, we have regionals in Pittsburgh that's coming this weekend. So we're, we're recording this on Wednesday here. This episode will drop before this regional starts. What, what are you anticipating for this upcoming season? I, Jared alluded to some, maybe some prize money, getting a little, uh, getting a little bump uh, across the board at regionals internationals. What, what are you most excited for Kyle? Yeah, they, they released a lot of information. So we're going to have the three internationals this year. Uh, we're going to New Orleans for North American International Championships, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then there we go. The, the prize bump that we have across the board with regionals, internationals, and the world championships is something we've been waiting for for a long time, honestly. For, for the players... I mean, if you're flying, you're at least spending $500 trying to, to go to these events. If you don't have sponsors, like... 99% of us in the room, then <laughs> it, it makes it difficult for to go out and play these tournaments, even $70 entry fees yeah. uh, and, and stuff like that. They, those start to add up. So uh, yeah. it does get difficult if you want to play this game on the highest level, as much as these players uh, that the pro players do. And uh, the fact that now you, you can just win one event, win one of those regionals, you get $10,000 and you get a guaranteed, uh, uh, world championship play like that's that's everything that we've been looking for for a while that's so exciting man and I, I'm, I'm hoping i hope that increases participation if, if they can grow the size of these events too i'd like i know a bigger field means more logistics but i think it means higher levels of competition and you know for people trying to achieve x y and z goals i think it just becomes more meaningful uh, yeah, be ready for the the scene to explode. I've I've got the behind the scenes numbers. We're we're talking international level regional wow. championships. Wow, and that it's it's going to continue to grow. Uh, I think the one thing that was really holding us back years prior was the fact that we didn't know what the scene was going to look like post COVID, and all of the numbers that they have to put in for those regional. Uh, for the convention halls and so on and so forth, they, they took pretty selective uh, bids on those. They were, they were pretty small saying, all right, well, let's see if people will come out and still play. They had no idea that Pokemon was going to erupt like this uh, after COVID. So now we've got a year under our belt. Uh, the tournament organizers see that too. And they're like, okay, this thing's going to be huge. Let's make sure that we're ready for uh, as much Pokemon as we possibly can. And we're going to see a lot of players. Let's go, man. That gets me hyped. Well, I'm, yeah, that... I'm, I'm curious about some, uh, some meta specifics moving into the new set. Is that okay to jump into that Corey? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it, man. I love it. I, I mean, everything that I'm running into online is, I mean, you can't spit and not hit a Charizard deck. And, yep. <laughs> and I, I just, but my question is, in your opinion, is, is there going to be a variant good enough to not just make this the trendy deck, but the best deck? Uh, not yet. I think, I think that with more sets, we're going to eventually unlock Charizard. I think with the, 
was it the 151 set we're gonna get another charizard to add into the mix cover some of those weakness issues and really do a ton of damage like charizard always does so uh that's maybe when we start to see charizard start to reach its potential but i think a lot of players really like what this card is able to do uh it's got a comeback mechanism built into it uh it's it's very aggressive as well gets its own energies it makes so much sense that it would be a powerful deck but it's it's just missing a little bit of pieces and if you need b and pidgeot and arceus <laughs> and all these things to make your deck work then maybe your deck doesn't work <laughs> that's amazing no truer words have been said. That's so that is so funny. Yeah, because they just start they just start throwing all these all these uh, support supportive type Pokemon down into that deck. But I do think it is you know you have the two decks in the finals at Worlds, both weak to dark, and then you roll out this Charizard that and against anything else, at least in the early games, not one shotting. But against those two decks, it certainly does. So I, I feel like I don't know if that was ever intentional or not, but that's probably. If you could map out your regional play and just hit Mew and Gardevoir, you're you're probably in a <laughs> little great. I think, I think that lines up pretty well. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they definitely saw the typing opportunity for Charizard, and they're like, oh yeah, dark, dark is the way <laughs> <Dark>. to go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, Kyle, so we've talked about you know your com- commentating worlds upcoming season. That's all fine, but Kyle, I want to talk about NAIC now. Yes. And- <laughs> and you know you you got you got to take a weekend off from your from your work and you got to really go to work and you were able to play and not only play you were making some noise man we i was rooting so hard for you i were you in did you have to get a uh, a winning in were you five two in one i, I was it, five oh in one five oh in one yeah okay. i got the very early winning in opportunity and you were on stream for that, right? Was that the game yep. I watched that you were playing? Okay. Talk to us about NAIC. Talk to us about Lost Tina. Why you went with that? I just want to. I just want to know. Jared and I, I, I. We were so happy that you were playing and playing well. I double took. <laughs> like I, I, I was like, I'm. You know, look. I turned on the stream. I was like, oh, this must be old. <laughs> 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 I was like, this must be one of those classic matches that they put up there. Uh, and then I was like, I was like, he like he's not, is he commentating on his own match? Like what is going what is happening here? I just wasn't aware going into the tournament, but it was really cool to see you play. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, so of course, uh up against Ross Coffin of of all the people in the world too. The man who's made every single world championship and uh, an absolute yeah. legend, and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a great one. But yeah, uh, to to give it some context uh, before we even got into it, uh, found out that I wasn't gonna be casting any IC. I had already casted all the other internationals, so I was looking to complete my own uh, toward Infinity Gauntlet and cast all four ICs. Yes. Not just not win all four ICs. That's a little much. Yeah, but just that's a little much. I just want to commentate them all in one year. I thought that'd be cool. But uh, I, I I guess I, I had overdone it. I, I had cast a lot. So they let me sit out this one. And I, I said, ooh, if you're going to make me sit, then you're going to watch me play. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, had a, I had a few weeks to get ready. I was testing everything under the sun with my brother-in-law. And uh, he's another poker dad as well. He's got two young boys. And um, me and Justin mm. were going to work. Uh, 
when we were supposed to be working. Instead, we were sitting at my kitchen table playing Pokemon <laughs> and answering some business <laughs> calls. Yeah. That's the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the dream. The kitchen table. Oh yeah, and we'd uh, we, we'd get like some good like six hour sessions and test ev- everything we could, and um, we have this we have this little restaurant off to the side that's like ten dollar all you can eat Mexican buffet, and we're like, all right, this this is probably gonna get me sick, but it's it's actually Fuego. It's the best best restaurant that I have. It's oh, just a yeah. mile away, so we'd we'd go over there and we'd sit and we'd contemplate what we tested, uh, what we were thinking about, and uh, eventually I'm just sitting there. I'm like. Man, jet energy is really good. <laughs> like we we gotta find a way to work this in. It's like it doesn't work in Lost Box, but mm-hmm. I think I think Lost Tina has definitely been looking for this. And like we talked about this, Japan loves this deck, and we don't know why. And mm-hmm. we looked at the lists; they're playing like four Giratina V. I'm like, eh, wow. that, that, that seems pretty dumb. We can probably soften this up and make it our own. And we we tested a lot of different stuff in that deck, and. Man, 280 on turn two, knock out anything you want on turn three, and then Sableye for the rest of the game is broken. It is so yeah. broken. <laughs> and uh, we we loved, we loved how that felt. Uh, we had a lot of people telling us it's too slow, it's too bulky, it's too awkward, it's not going to work. And I was losing a lot of matchups when I first got to NAIC uh, playtesting with Rahul and the gang. They were beating me up with with, uh, with Gardevoort nonstop, sneaking in the lost box. We're too fast for you. I'm like, I have a strategy, I promise. It's just not working. I don't know why. You guys just aren't letting me do my thing. And, uh, I was I was about to switch, and at 11 o'clock, my brother-in-law was like, nah, man, we put so much work into this, we got to do it. So uh, we cut our Tropius, because that was our one cute tech that we were thinking would help us against Lugia mm-hmm. and uh, some other stuff, just knocking out that Tyranitar, which has been the bane of our existence through a lot of our testing. Yeah. And uh, we decided to go with the extra path. And the, the oh. paths were uh, broken. Yeah. So yeah. good. And uh, I was really hoping to see a lot of Arceus when we got into the tournament. That matchup is free. Just It yeah. really doesn't matter which kind it is. The worst one to see is Arctina, but... Even then, that's like a 55% favored, so you just hope to go first mm. and get that path down early. And yeah. I was running through. We, were, we found a lot of good matchups early on. Uh, ended up getting to 5-0-1. My only tie was to another uh, Lost Tina that I didn't know from North Carolina. So <laughs> shout out to him for coming up with the right read, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, and uh, then I see winning in. I'm at table seven. I'm re- ready to sit down. And it's Ross Coffin. I'm like, oh god, we're going upstage, aren't we? And sure enough, Ellis Longers grabs me, and we're we're wa- running up there. My brother-in-law's yes. like, you know what he's on, right? And I'm like, Turbo. Uh, he's like, Turbo Dark Rye. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I come on Tropius? That's so nice. Uh, so uh, I'm doing research backstage, making sure I know all the numbers of Dark Rye V-Star. Yes. <laughs> uh, before we hop up there, and man, we had a we had a great battle. It was it was really fun. Uh, I had a strategy the whole way through. I really just wanted to go knockout knockout Sableye Sableye. Uh, I didn't mm. want to leave any damage on board. I wanted to have games set up, and uh, I stuck with that uh, throughout the the whole tournament or with the whole match against him. And finally, he got me down to this ridiculous point. Uh, right before time's called, I take my knockout with nine seconds left. I didn't know what the exact time was, but I knew that I had a little bit of time. 
Yeah. And my man Ross played like a snail <laughs> and uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't promote his Pokemon until time was called. And uh, I was livid because I lost a whole turn right there. I had only yeah. turn two to get the job done against him. And uh, he gives me an opportunity to promote my Comfey. Uh I, I do that instead of promoting my Giratina, who just needs one energy to take the knockout and win the game. I don't have the energy in hand. So I promote Comfey because I'm like, all right, I have more options. I could see uh, maybe Jet Energy. I could see uh, Mirage Gate. I could see Colrus Experiment. Any of these things would help. Mm-hmm. And uh, I top deck the Psychic Energy. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which would have won the game right there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Now you gotta get the comfy out. Oh, no. Yep. So I use comfy. It doesn't help me. I use the Radiant Greninja that Pablo had been yelling about the whole match, saying that it was a stupid choice to bench. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I thought it was right. And sure enough, uh, because the path got countered, I used my Greninja. It found the Mirage Gate, and I win the game. <laughs> yeah, man. Sorry, Love Pablo. <laughs> oh man awesome was he just, really like yell, yelling at you during the he, match he d- well so he's he's casting over it and i watched it back and he oh, he, just, he, okay. he he really wanted to see me use the cramorant early he was just talking about how uh the greninja is a wasted bench space right now but mm. my thoughts on it were i don't want to leave damage on the board because he can he could switch around fairly easily and attack with different pokemon yeah. Uh, that means I have to go Sableye in some instances that maybe I wouldn't want to. I don't want to force myself to have boss's orders until uh, I absolutely like am taking a two-price knockout on something clean. So I didn't want to leave damage on board. Uh, I just wanted to have the Radiant Greninja. And I'm, I'm playing Spiritomb and Path to the Peak. I'm locking out all of his abilities. If he yeah. counters my Path to the Peak, I get to use Greninja. And if he doesn't counter Path to the Peak, he loses because he has no yeah, abilities. <laughs> so I was like, I'm 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 fine with this. I will bench this useless Pokemon uh and have this as my bailout button for the end of the game. Yeah. And it worked. So you made the right call. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> wow. So then how so then okay, you get into day two. How how did your day two go? Yeah, I so I finished day one, seven, one and one, took a loss to Rowan Stavenau, uh six minutes remaining. I went draw pass, he went turn two guardy knockout. Mm. Uh, and then I got a I got a I got some Arceus at the end to close out, and that felt nice. So I'm seven one and one. I see Arceus all over the place. I'm like, yes, finally. This is <laughs> this is gonna be an easy run, boys. Nom, 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 nom. Yep. <laughs> My brother in law is seven and two. He's looking at all the Arceus as well. He got three Arceus in a row to start the day. I sold zero for all of day two. So he was lined up to make top eight. He he ended up uh, in a ridiculous spot where we looked at the matchups. There's nine favorable matchups, like seven Arceus, some of those silly uh, United Wings, (laughs) which is a free matchup, and then one Gardevoir (laughs) uh, that he can get up paired to. And he got up paired to the Gardevoir and oh. loses. Uh, so his top eight dreams are dead. And then I'm really just battling through. Uh, I'm having a blast, though. Like, I'm playing against all the players that I've been commentating uh, and a lot of players that I've been seeing on the rise. I saw some old heads. I played against Dylan LeFevre, and that was really cool. So uh, it, was, it was fun to, to revisit and play against some of these people again. And I got to the very last round playing against... Uh, a straight Palkia Chimpow, which is a deck that we've seen start to have a little success now. 
Yeah. But back then it was unheard of to not play back Excalibur. So I'm waiting for him to play this bridge of backs. He doesn't bench it on turn one. I'm like, oh, you're dead, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> gotcha. I'm going gotcha. to crush you. <laughs> but no, the deck was really consistent, really strong. He, uh, he played it pretty well and he ended up getting 32nd. I got 78th or something like that, but uh, I had an absolute blast playing again. And that's awesome. We're, it was it was just so fun, like I said, to look up and see. And I think it, I I honestly think it just strengthens what you guys are doing as a casting crew because so many of you are past players, but then to get a chance like that and show that you still have the chops, I think it just builds credibility with your audience when you are making a high level prediction or what a player should do. It's like, well, I did just you know day two at, at nationals. Like I think I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, we we run into that uh, a lot with some of the newer play the newer casters that that got added. Uh, some of them aren't directly from competitive TCG, so for them, a lot of what they say gets questioned immediately. But they're putting the work in behind the scenes. They're trying to give it, but there's nothing that uh, compares to just being in that competitive environment, playing for 12 hours against some of the best players in the world, and doing it every other weekend and. Uh, that was something that I I did nonstop for 15 years, and it, it still courses through my veins. <laughs> I I desperately want to scratch the itch over and over again, but I also love my job as a commentator. So uh, that's cool. Uh, gives and takes. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna call that your uh your Tom Brady in Tampa run. Yes, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I had one more in me. I couldn't just retire. <laughs> But hey, you know what? <laughs> I uh, if Tom comes out of retirement again and plays one more game, I don't think anyone would be too sad. So keep That's your eyes true. open. That's I've got true. a I've got a few more in me. <laughs> I love it. Well, man, you would have been. I mean, you said seventy eighth or seventy third, somewhere around there. I mean, you get top sixty four there. That's what two grand at at, at, I mean, at an IC. Yeah, my uh, well nowadays, right? With the with, now the, with the prize is, yeah. bump that they have, I think it was five hundred dollars. So my brother-in-law ended up getting thirty ninth. He uh, he got the money. He's gonna have to take me to the Mexican restaurant a few times. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a cheap no. date. You're a cheap date. That ten dollars, right. Kyle. <laughs> no kidding, um, Kyle. This is so fun, man. We we will like always cherish getting to chat with you and and again we'll try to get you your third star you know for your yeah. third time coming back yeah we'll we'll kind of let the season start we'll let, let you get your feet under you and then maybe maybe check back in maybe before laic or something around there yep sounds like a good time oh. all right well and again thanks for coming on um and yeah you can catch kyle you're cast in pittsburgh uh i will be wearing a suit <laughs> wearing a suit <laughs> I love it. We're in a suit. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right, Kyle. Well, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, guys. See you later. See ya. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach me Pokemon podcast. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Ah!